Hello, it's Paul Scott here again, uh, writer of the Small Cap Valley Reports on Stockopedia.com, uh, with Graham Neary, of course, and, um, yeah, enthusiastic commentator on UK Small Cap, so I think I've already said that. Right, let's get, we've done 41 companies this week, so another incredibly busy week, uh, a week that's been characterised by bad weather. We had snow across lots of the UK on Monday, very, very cold all week, minus two degrees down here in Bournemouth. When I start the day each day, my uh, sitting room where I work is is only 13 degrees C. So I'm sitting here with the heater on, waiting for it to warm up with my fingerless gloves on. <laughs> so uh, there's a, a, an odd uh, image for you. Right, Monday, we looked at Totally, T-L-Y. This is the NHS um, support outsourced support services company. Interesting company, I think. I'm keeping an eye on this one. Um, it put out um, what sounded like uh, big contract wins on Monday, £66 million over five to eight years. But then one of our readers, Strolling Mulby, who I saw at Mellow, uh, great to catch up with you. He pointed out that actually this was re- renewals of existing contracts, so not as exciting as we thought at first. I've always thought with Totally it never really makes any money historically, but the forecasts show much bigger profits in the future. So if it hits those forecasts, this could be an interesting company. And it's obviously filling needs in the NHS, and it seems to be a trusted provider. So, um, yeah, TLY, I'm keeping an eye on that one. Next we had Tristel, T-S-T-L. Niche Medical Disinfection Products Company. Um, decent first part, uh, first half performance, uh, and it it I think it looks as if it might be heading for a beat against full year expectations. So I, I work that out from <clears throat> comparing previous H one H two splits and so on. Uh, it's got a very nice healthy balance sheet with about ten million on hand. Now the only problem I've got with Tristel is, um, uh, and of course it's doing international expansion as well. It sells small amounts of product in lots of different regions. Um, so um, and and the big hope is is its breakthrough. It's trying to break through into the American market. But the trouble is, the share price, I think, more than bakes that in. The forward PE is 38 times. I think that's just way too high for an OK company. It's not a brilliant company at all. Why on earth would you want to pay double what it's really worth um, just on hopes for future expansion, especially when we're in a bear market where so many other things are cheap? I I, I just don't get it with Tristel. Next, the readers have dragged me kicking and screaming screaming to look to look at central nick c n i c um does something to do with internet domains and and services don't really understand what it does now i've always been suspicious of this in the past but i spent a bit more time on monday looking into it i've got to say i am warming to this one um <clears throat> The main issue I've got with it is the weak balance sheet and it's got far too much debt. But, on the other hand, banks have just renewed a big facility with it, so obviously they will have crawled all over the numbers to agree uh, that facility, which I think was $250 million or pounds. Um, you don't get a bank facility like that unless they've really crawled over the numbers, so they're, the banks are obviously happy with it. Um, and it's going to start doing buybacks, which surprised me for a highly indebted company. Uh, the long-standing serving CEO found us stepping down with the CFO taking over. Sounds like there's a good relationship there between the two. Uh, 
I, I think I think this is looking interesting, actually. Um, yeah, it does. I, I really drilled into the numbers in a bit more detail, and it it does look genuinely cash generative. But it's one of those things where there's so many adjustments and so many acquisitions, it's difficult to work out what the what the real picture is. But I think that one is starting to look interesting. Forward PE is only eight point six. Uh, but as I say, the drawback is the the pretty weak balance sheet. Now, something awful I looked at again on Monday called Engage XR Holdings, EXR. This is just a barge pole job, absolutely rubbish company. Um, the shares dropped 46%, and I think it's carried on dropping. It's basically running out of money. The cash has dropped from 4.9 million euros down to only 1.9 million euros uh, to forecast at end of this calendar year, uh, and, a, and, a, and a 6 million euro EBITDA loss for 2022 because orders haven't come through as they're expecting so I just would I would I would just get out of this one at any price if I held because they're not going to be able to raise any more money I would imagine I'd be surprised if they can and as we've seen the terms for cash burning companies to raise more money now in this bear market are absolutely ruinous very often so we just need to keep away from anything that looks like it needs to to raise cash and engage xr uh, I think we'll almost certainly need to raise fresh cash in 2023. It could well actually delist. So I think that one uh, is is a definite avoid. Graham looked at Argo blockchain, pretty much writing its, its obituary there. Uh, it's suspended, so we don't expect that one to come back from suspension. He also looked at one of these foreign, foreign exchange brokers or services companies called Argentex. AGFX is the ticker. That one's been doing very well, as has Equals, EQLS. Now, interestingly enough, the um, Equals reached out to me through one of its advisors on Monday, asking me if I'd like a call with management. So I think I'm, I normally say no when I'm off of calls with management, because I just haven't got enough time trying to cover 500-odd companies. You know, you can't speak to management at even a fraction of them, because, you know, you have to do the research before you pick up the phone or do a Zoom with them of, to, to think up some intelligent questions. Uh, so it takes an hour or two to prepare for a meeting with management. So, um, uh, but but with equals, I think I'm going to take them up on that. So I might uh, get to speak to them at some point, and I'll give you my feedback when I have spoken to equals management. So that was Monday. Oh, I should add, we had really, really good reader comments on Monday, 66 comments, nearly all of which I think added value. Uh, it's such a, a, a good, you know, the, the, the small cap value reports are really, you know, obviously a, a report, but it also puts stuff into our database so that we've got a, a back catalogue, if you like, where you can look up any company and see what we thought of it in the last few months. But also the reader comments are increasingly adding value. So where the articles are like a discussion starter and then people who might know more about an individual company post their thoughts and we absolutely love it when people do that particularly planet x for example posted several uh, he he puts up brilliant article uh, comments i think and he consistently and he put up a uh, he went to visit Crestchick, uh, L-O-A-D, which has had a bid more recently, and he wrote up his thoughts about a site visit of actually meeting management and walking around the facility. And stuff like that adds tremendous value. So it's a, it's a team effort, the small cap value reports, between the writers and, and the subscribers. So thank you to everyone who contributes. And those of you lurking, you know, put, put, some, uh, put some comments up. Tell us what you think about companies. We're not interested in hearing about people just announcing that they bought or sold something. That's pointless and it doesn't add any value and it just clutters up the 
the, the, the comments section. So pre- please try to vo- avoid saying things like, yes, we like the share too and we've just bought some. Who cares? It's a waste of time. Tell us what you... We, what, give us some insights about the company, uh, if you can, and uh, that's, that really does add value. Right, Tuesday was an absolute monster of a day. We covered 14 companies, which I think is a new record. You might have noticed, those of you who subscribe, that Graham and I, we do listen to the feedback from readers, whether it's good or, or bad. Although, you know, what one person wants will be complete opposite of what someone else wants. So we can't please everyone, I'm afraid. Uh, and don't assume that what you want is what everyone else wants. That's another point. But anyway, we're doing a, a lot. We're covering a lot more companies now in the last few weeks, as you probably noticed. And we're doing, um, if it doesn't really justify a large section and lots of analysis, we just do a quick paragraph. And I think that works really, really well. But we're still, we're not just copy pasting things in the RNS. We are actually reading the RNS, interpreting it, but then just putting up a short summary of our view rather than a great detailed. Uh, section, which obviously saves time, and we can then cover more companies. So, right on on the market, OTMP. Um, this announced a new share dealing facility, whereby uh, because a lot of the shares are held by estate agents, and a lock-in is expiring in February 2023, which means there could well be a lot of loose stock being drip-fed into the market by estate agent shareholders who just want to cash in their their free shares that they got in term in return for. Uh, signing up to five-year deals. But I think this does highlight a a bit of a forthcoming problem with uh, OTMP shares in that there's likely to be a big overhang when these um, lock-ins expire. So I'm sitting that one out at the moment, although I do think it's a good company. Christopher Mills likes it as well. He talked positively about it in a very good uh, interview he did with uh, Vox Markets, my friend Paul Hill, the, uh, about eight days ago, which is is, is full of insights. So do have a listen to that uh, interview with Christopher Mills. Uh, so I like OTMP. It's profitable now. It's got cash and it's modestly valued. Could be a multi-bagger if it ever really breaks the duopoly of, of Rightmove and Zoopla. But um, it's 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 building quite a nice business there. But I'm, I think I'll wait to see what happens in 2023 with the potential overhang of shares. Now, Sasandar, S-O-S, a long-standing st- long favourite of mine. Most people didn't think it would work, but it has. Uh, it floated as little more than a start-up a few years ago. And they've achieved the almost impossible of establishing... Uh, a successful new clothing brand uh, with, with uh, which um, addresses an unfulfilled need in the market uh, for f- figure flattering uh, uh, clothing for um, fashionable clothing for middle aged ladies who don 't want to be bearing their arms and shoulders as so many dresses seem to be sleeveless, so they have longer sleeves and you know they have a, a flattering cut to the clothes. The, the ladies are, who run Sasand are um, Ali and Julie, I think are fantastic. They're just workaholics and you know they're so determined to achieve success and they have done. Anyway, break even interim results and but H1 is the slower half. Um, and in line with expectations, outlook comments for the full year, which are two million revenues. Uh, and positive outlook comments. I think this looks really, really good, reasonably priced. I think Sasanda now is the best it's ever been, um, but actually the share price is 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 relatively modest. So I think the, the, I don't think it'll need to raise any more cash. Um, very, that's been the Achilles heel in the past, repeated placing. So I think Sasanda is very, very good. Thumbs up from me. I think it's just a tuck away and forget share, and these seem to be completely. Um, uh, oblivious to the uh, consumer downturn because they're serving affluent customers um, and they often give them 20 or 30% off 
to to entice them into to, to buying. They communicate directly with most of their customers, so the, most of the marketing is free. Very, very interesting. Listen to the PI World webinar on that. They did a results webinar with management. Lots of, I think, very, very positive things in there. But obviously it does come with fashion risk. You can't guarantee that people getting the fashion bang on the money this year will necessarily get it all bang on the money next year. So, you know, it does come with fashion risk. But I think Susandar, long term, could be very, very good. Now, React, R-E-A-T, a real micro-cap. This is the, they're trying to build up a group of cleaning companies. Uh, trading's good. They said Q4 of uh, financial year 9, September 2022, was, quote, especially strong, unquote. But they said the same things in a trading update on the 26th of October. So I questioned, and actually the, the latest update this week had less detail in it than the October update did. So I questioned what was the point of it, uh, putting out a, 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 a trading update that said nothing new. And I did speculate that maybe they want the share price up to do another placing. And this is the fundamental problem with React. It's too small, and the shares are very cheap and lowly rated. So if it wants to make acquisitions, it's got to issue more shares at a, at a discount, which it's done in the past, which doesn't really add any value. Because if your currency is dirt cheap and you keep diluting it, you're not going to add any... You may grow the group, revenues and profits, but you're not going to grow earnings per share. So I think they've got to crack that problem somehow, which maybe means having to take on debt for acquisitions or, or only do modest um, equity uh, issues for new shares. But I think if they can crack this problem... You could have an interesting little vehicle here. And don't dismiss cleaning companies, because actually certain niche cleaning um, things are are very profitable. So I wouldn't completely dismiss React. I think it's highly speculative at this stage, but I'm keeping an eye on that one. Now, I looked at Access Intelligence, ACC. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Dismal, really. Very uh, Well, quite a weak balance sheet. I think it looks very risky, so I'd just steer clear of this one. The figures, uh, it's heavily loss-making. Um, and it's capitalising a lot of costs. Uh, it, the cash pile's halved down to only 4.8 million. I think waffly commentary, I've said, <coughs> slowing order intake. I think it's very difficult to value. I wouldn't touch it. So that's access intelligence. Uh, that's an avoid for me. Uh, what else? Um, oh, Dianomi, uh, DNM, down 15% on a, on, a, on a trading update. It's uh, one of the worst years for floats ever. It was 2021, which is when this floated. It's down about 80%. It provides digital advertising services. Um, now, it's it's the interesting thing about this one is it's still profitable. Uh, I think they're saying profit, uh, pro, EBITDA profit's going to halve, but it's still actually profitable. Um, and it's got a 10.8 million cash pile, which is about a third of the market cap, and it's not burning cash. So if you know anything about digital marketing, which I don't, then Dianomi might be an interesting one for you to have a look at. It's not a basket case. It's well-financed, so it probably won't have to raise any more money. So that's potentially interesting, I think, Dianomi. Over to you to have a look at it. Next, a look at Zytronic, ZYT. Very interesting little value situation, this one. 14 million market cap, but it's got 6.4 million net cash, so that's about nearly half. It's done a lot of buybacks. And it's still profitable, even though revenues have really 
collapsed about by about half from its historic levels for various reasons, but it still remained profitable, and um, it's starting to talk about rebuilding the sales pipeline. So this could be the low foot for Zitronic in terms of its performance. So as a special situation, very illiquid, so not one to trade in and out of because of the widespread, but I think as a, as a, as a long-term sort of value special situation type thing, I think Zitronic looks interesting. I had a quick look at Synthoma. This is a big business, S-Y-N-T. Um, now, it's disposed of one division for £199 million net of fees, um, but that, that only makes a dent in the massive cash pile. Uh, it seems to have done a huge acquisition for £760 million earlier this year, which has taken net debt from £114 million to a whisker under a billion. Uh, it's already had to seek um, relaxation of banking covenants, so a spectacularly badly timed uh, huge acquisition funded by debt. Uh, but it does look like now that obviously by selling one of its divisions for nearly $200 million, um, it's making dents in that debt, in the, in that debt pile. Um, but it does mention customers destocking and deteriorating macro conditions, <sighs> dividends suspended until the end, end of 2023. I'm avoiding this one. It's, it's too complex. I'd have to do a lot of research on it. I just don't want to buy companies that have got huge debt piles. Um, that are having to do sort of pretty much forced disposals and so on. I think the risk of a dilutive fundraise there is too high. This is taking so long to plough through these. I'll try and speed up. Global Ports Holding, GPH, uh, nice little speculative share here, but it's got a colossal amount of debt. But the um, the cruise ship ports that it owns are obviously now doing much better now the cruise industry. But nearly all the operating profit uh, get well, no more than the operate more than all the operating profit in H one was consumed by finance charges. So I think we see the equity here as a bit of a sort of call option really um, on a, a hugely indebted group. So. Um, but it could be a nice little punt, but very, uh, very high risk, I think. FRP advisory, I don't really like um, these businesses where you've got a conflict between the partners and the outside shareholders. I think it's too expensive. The P is about 20. I think Begbie's is better value. But uh, FRP advisory is sort of higher up the food chain in terms of the insolvency practices sector. Uh, and the balance sheet's OK. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I looked at a little CCTV company called Synectics, SNX. Nothing particularly exciting uh, here, but it said it was slightly ahead of market expectations. H2 was better than H1. Um, it's got net cash. Uh, actually, I think this this company looks okay uh, if you if you do illiquid micro caps. I'm, I'm saying it could be a recovery share, uh, and it's quite good value. What did Graham look at on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday rather? He looked at Coral, coral Products, CRU. Several of the readers thought this looked good and asked us to look into it. I think the results were actually Monday, but we Graham, Graham covered it on Tuesday. And uh, yes, it, sounds, it looks quite interesting. I had a quick look at the headlines as well, doing lots of acquisitions of plastics companies. Um, yeah, worth a look, I think. And Sigma Rock, Graham looked at. I don't have a view on that. Oh, he looked at Begbie's again and... FinCap. So that was our mammoth 14 companies covered on Tuesday. Right, Wednesday we had a bombshell announcement from Trackwise Designs, TWD. I feel so very sorry for anyone who was holding this because it did look quite interesting. It's got these, it makes these uh, hugely long printed circuit boards which apparently are going to be very, very useful 
uh, for electric vehicles, aviation, all sorts of um, uses. But it, the classic problem of aim, aim blue sky jam tomorrow companies, it didn't raise enough cash. So it's had to keep coming back with the begging bowl. And unfortunately, this time, patience has run out. And it, it's been forced into doing a horrendous fundraise at just one pence. One pence. Uh, that was a 92% discount, so really a diabolical for us existing shareholders. And I know we did have a few, uh, because um, thankfully Graham warned us all away from it in June or July, saying, look, I, th- I think this thing is, is going to, uh, you know, is looking a very, very high risk. And I'm grateful to Graham, because I did actually have a very small position in it myself, just with fun money, but I sold them when um, Graham warned us all about it. So a real, real hat tip there to... To Graham, and that's one of the key things with the with the small cap value reports. We do warn people away from companies which need to raise cash and which have uh, high risk balance sheets, <coughs> and that's coming into its uh, coming absolutely into its uh, into its own right now. It's key information you need to know about. Um, now, with Trackwise, it is doing an open offer, so existing shareholders can can top up but it doesn't look as if it's going to be enough even the next fundraise so uh, I think the broker's saying this only takes it through to Q3 of 2023 so I think probably with track wise it might be best to just to just walk away from that one uh, S3 STEM S-T-E-M is the ticker one of my favourite staffing companies uh, now this had a year end update because I think it's a November year end it did mention softer market conditions developing in Q4 which they've not said before so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cooling a bit on this one I still think it's good I still think downside risk is priced in but difficult to see any immediate catalyst to take the shares much higher unless there's a sort of general market move up uh, uh, so I'm wondering whether we might have seen peak earnings and whether the 2023 forecast might need to come down a bit on that one. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more hesitant about S3, although I still think long-term, great company. Uh, Billington Holdings put out a really positive update. This is a structural steel company, like a mini version of Severfield, SFR. Um, very good update. Um, PBT significantly ahead of the board's previous expectations. And it seems to be making efficiency gains, because it says revenue is the same, but profit's going to be up. Order booking and pipeline are confident for 2023. So it's also upgrading 2023 expectations. That's all great. The valuation's reasonable. It's got a good balance sheet. So I can see why some people like this. But you do have to be wary, I think, of the economic cycle. That, you know, orders in hand now could provide you know plenty of work for the next year or, t- or so but what happens after that you know this is the big risk isn't it with interest rates rising so much big construction projects may not uh flow as readily in in future so you know think about the economic cycle and with these companies billington and, and severfield just look at the long-term chart and see what happens when the economy does go into recession and that is a bit of a wake-up call i think of, of the potential risk of buying at the wrong point in the cycle uh myriad advertising m-i-r-i is one of the worst things i've ever seen it's down 24 percent on a profit warning um, the figures are scarcely believable. It's 1.6 million revenues. This is forecast for calendar 2022. 1.6 million revenues. EBITDA loss, 15.5 million. <sighs> what the hell are they doing? What are they thinking of? 
And they've only got 11.5 million cash left in the bank, which is more than halved from a year ago. So it looks like this is a, a not the Titanic heading for the uh, iceberg, but a, a speedboat heading on full throttle directly into an iceberg. So um, there's one of my uh, one of my crapo uh, analogies there. So it, it's trimming its costs a little, but I I can't. I think this is heading rapidly to zero, myriad advertising. So I wouldn't touch it. Total barge pole. Now I also looked at Loop Up. Um, they tend to put out very very upbeat sounding updates, and I do think there's something interesting there. The 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 management are, are, are hopeless. I think they completely blew it with the original remote meetings product which was overtaken by teams and zoom uh, they made a lousy acquisition for a lot of money so they've destroyed a lot of shareholder value management and have there but there is something interesting with the uh, the new uh, telecoms product that they're developing but the trouble is if you if you if you drill into the numbers you'll find it's burning cash at a prodigious rate and i've just marked it uninvestable because it's going to need to refinance probably quite soon again will it be able to refinance i don't know i think financing and dilution risk and delisting risk are extremely high with loop up but if it does manage to get another fundraiser away and i think it'll need over 10 million which is a lot more than the market cap now i think so (coughs) i'll look at it again if and when it manages to refinance now a more interesting um growth software company is get busy getb which we've covered quite a lot in the past. Now, this has said uh, slightly ahead of expectations, impressive revenue growth, although it is still slightly loss-making. Well, a million-pound loss for 2022. Um, not a huge amount of cash at £2.2 million. Uh, I think it's quite interesting, this one. It's got a cash cow, what they call legacy business, or some people call legacy business, but that's it seems a good, solid legacy business, um, and um, serving uh, accounting companies with um some sort of storage system i don't i don't properly understand it but it's the the cash is funding blue sky projects so if those blue sky projects take off you know it could be quite interesting so that's worth a look now cyan canode holdings cyan i thought the h1 numbers were terrible for this um but as always it dangles the carrot in front of us and says oh the big orders have come in you know q3 they're going to say it'll be much higher revenues uh, balance sheet's really weak. They're very tight for cash. Uh, the receivables figure of 4.6 million is over three times H1 revenues. They claim that 2.3 of this, half of this has come in since the year end. The figures look very peculiar to me. So I think with this, on the on the historic numbers, this share is worth nothing. You've, so shareholders have just got to hope that management are telling the truth. Um because, uh, yeah, I think this is very, very high risk. Now, Graham looked at Volution. One of the readers asked us to look at that, ticket F-A-N. Um, he says potentially offering decent value. Uh, Graham also looked at Cohort and ProCook. Neither of us think a ProCook's any good, so um, we'd avoid that that one. Next, um, let's move on to Thursday, the 15th of December. Now, one of my favourite companies, uh, Zotfoams, ZTF, uh, I think I really rate this company. I think management are very good, and it's got some. <coughs> it's proven this year that it can absorb inflation and pass it on to its customers, which is very, very important. That shows the products, you know, are, are niche. They're in demand, and they've got pricing power. <coughs> and they've renewed all their factory. They've owned the freeholds of the factories. 
They've uh, done a big programme of CapEx, so they've now got state-of-the-art equipment in them. I think it's very, very good. It's one of my favourite GARP shares, growth at reasonable price. Now, I don't hold any personally, unfortunately. I'd like to, but I haven't got any cash at the moment. So now this one put out a positive update ahead of expectations for uh, FY12 to, uh, 2022 so that's really really good didn't seem there doesn't seem to be much interest in the shares they went up a little bit i think it's probably uh priced about right for now but i think this is really a, a tuck away and forget type of long-term share that you could do very well on particularly if this resource as they call it is a fully recyclable uh, drinks and food containers and uh, canisters if that takes off that could be huge um so you've got a a really nice blue sky project in there for free which could be very very interesting now uh so i like soap foams um now interestingly enough one of the readers pointed out that um mark simpson um well well respected uh, investor and commentator he'd uh, written some negative comments about soap foams on on a, on on a, in the Stockopedia section and I was sort of chastised well why didn't you consult him how you know how can you have two different writers on Stockopedias with different views well we're all freelance we're all independent writers and it'd be a bit weird if we all had the same views I think so yes we will sometimes differ on companies and I, I certainly don't consult other writers before giving my opinion on any shares you know, it's of passing interest, and I always like to listen to different opinions. But um, there's, the, you know, we don't have a house view on any company. We all are independent writers giving our our independent views on things, and it's great to have a variety of opinions. I think, uh, and and that adds to the pot. I think of uh, the ideas, and we love to hear different opinions from from our subscribers as well. So I just wanted to clear up that misunderstanding. Now, next one with Carclo, C-A-R. Oh, dear. Another profit warning. Now, um, this one you've got to be so difficult about. It's it's highly dependent on its bank's support, and it's also got a gigantic pension deficit. So the pension deficit has fallen in accounting terms, but it's still sucking out... Uh, pretty much all the cash flows that the business generates. It's a precarious situation. I think there's a very high risk of a dilutive equity fundraise. It's strange that there hasn't already been one. So I did some digging in the annual report, and it does have a substantial base of freehold property assets. So that could be the reason that the bank and the pension funds are remaining supportive there. But I think at some point it's probably going to have to bite the bullet and raise fresh equity. So, um, and of course, you know, with interest rates rising, banks are less willing to support zombie companies. So it's just too risky, Carclo, I think. And now it lost a big contract recently as well, which means that it's um, not trading as well as expected. And it's saying here that uh, there was a typo in the RNS actually over the date, but it's saying here that. Uh, FY March 2022 will be, quote, materially lower, unquote, than previously expected. So it's piling problem onto problems here. You really don't want profit warnings from company with companies with precarious funding. So, yeah, I, I think Carclo, you're either going to get a multi-bagger or it's going to be um, a disaster. Why take the risk is my view. Now, Curry's, I looked at this one, uh, C-U-R-Y, obviously the behemoth uh, electrical retailer, 10 billion revenues. I don't like it, you know. The interims came out. You've got a, um, the, a huge loss, but it was nearly all a goodwill write-off, so that doesn't matter. But And it was guiding uh, H2 is busier than H1, so it's still 
still guiding for a profit in the full year, but they've moved the guidance down. So it was a full year profit warning, but mild-ish. It's the balance sheet that worries me. Now, once you write off the goodwill, uh, it's massively negative, the net tangible asset value. And although there isn't a lot of bank debt, uh, it has moved from net cash to net debt. But you look at the trade credit line. It's massive. The whole business is basically funded by the suppliers, giving payment terms which allow it to continue in existence. So what I'm saying with this is that some of that is probably backed up by trade credit insurers. Now, if the trade credit insurers pull the cover, which they often do for precariously financed companies in uh, economic downturns, that can cause... uh, 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 real difficulties in getting fresh stock intake. Now, Curry's is probably so big that the manufacturers, I imagine, would probably take a flyer on it and say, look, we can't afford to lose the business from Curry's, so we'll we'll keep supplying them. So this is probably uh, maybe a low to middling risk, but it's an existential risk. You know, if that trade credit cover is pulled you know, Curry's could go bust or have to do a big fundraise. Um, something similar happened, I think, recently with AO.com. I have a feeling they, uh, the trade credit, is, credit insurers went wobbly on that one and they had to do... Uh, they were able to get an equity fundraise away, so AO.com survived that. But uh, I'd be careful with Curry's. Now, it's got a, a generous dividend yield, but I don't think the dividends are, sust- are sustainable because the finances are, are, are really quite weak. So I'm afraid I have to give it a thumbs down. Now, I also look briefly at DX Group. This is an interesting turnaround. It's the logistics freight business. Um... It's had a checkered past with problems. It was suspended for a long time. Uh, See the archive for the details on that. I'm not going to go into that. But it says the pipeline of new business is, quote, very healthy, unquote. It's got good liquidity, although the balance sheet's not that strong, but it's got significant net cash. You're getting a PE of 7.6 and a dividend yield of 5.2%. So... um, it looks a successful turnaround, so I, I, I'm not really interested in investing in logistics companies personally, but it might be worth a fresh look. What was next? STV, the Scottish uh, television company, um, didn't really tell us anything. There's nothing. It, it called it a trading update, but it's more like a PR release. So I didn't like the way that was presented. Um, and then... Shaw Capital slips out um, an 18% reduction in forecast. So it's actually a profit warning for 2023 and 2024 that they're trying to cover up in the RNS. So I think that's pretty disgusting, actually. We really don't like it when companies do that. It's very, very uh, undermining for any confidence I would have in the company or the management if they're trying to uh, bury a, a profit warning by putting it out through broker updates. So a massive thumbs down for the way they've handled that. And uh, the, the, the the huge issue with STV is it, its gigantic pension schemes. So <coughs> that sucks out a lot of cash. For example, uh, deficit recovery repayment, repayments uh, payments were £7.1 million just in H1. So really the valuation of this share hinges very largely on what happens uh, with the pension scheme. Uh, next, Graham looked at Science Group, SAG, slightly ahead of expectations update. We like that one. Interesting, uh, quite a quirky company. Uh, it's got a good track record. Management seem uh, pretty switched on. So, yeah, that's worth a look. Uh, <coughs> what else? Oh, Hunting. This is an interesting one, isn't it? Um, big engineering group. Graham looked at that one. 
Right, sorry, this is taking ages. Friday's report, uh, as usual, I did uh, Friday's report on my own. Had a bit of a lion because I'm really tired at the moment as we've been doing, you know, it's very intense with the workload at the moment. So uh, uh, apologies for, for the, le- the late start. But um, I covered all the companies that in our in our universe that were reporting. We had a query why I didn't look at, I think it was RWS. Well, it's 1.35 billion market cap. We stop at about 700 million. So do please read the explanatory notes in each report um, before asking us why we haven't covered something. We'll cover everything relevant usually in our in our universe of stocks. Now I looked at Rank. Now normally Graham covers this. This is the gambling company that owns Mecca, Bingo and uh, Grosvenor Casinos. Uh, I do have ethical issues with those type of businesses. Bingo's fine, but casinos, I think, are, are, are very um, create a lot of social problems because people get addicted to it. Uh, been there, done that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, in my misspent youth. So, um, it looks now, it's another profit warning from Rank, and as Graham predicted earlier on in the year, he reckoned it was probably going to end up making pretty much nothing this financial year and in June 2023. And it looks like he's right. Again, the company quotes EBITDA, which is misleading because there's a, a, a big finance charge to come off it. It's basically traveling, uh, trading around break even. But it says it's got various levers to pull. I think, you know, it's an obvious recovery type thing, isn't it? Um, a gambling company, because when consumer disposable income comes back up again, they've got operationally geared upside, big fixed costs, huge energy costs it's absorbing at the moment uh, something like 35 million I think they said uh, and um, but the profits will flow back through probably when the economy recovers so I, I completely get the bull case on this type of thing that you buy at the cyclical lows in anticipation of um, recovery the only thing is I don't like the balance sheet it's quite weak once you strip out all those intangibles it's negative uh, and as I say the ESG concerns is not me virtue signalling What concerns me is that banks and fund managers may not be interested so much in lending to a a group that creates social problems through casinos. And and that's becoming a bigger and bigger thing with banks. And um, I read somewhere, I think, that banks are, are pulling back lending to the oil and gas sector because of ESG concerns. I mean, how ridiculous is that? You know, we are dependent on fossil fuels. How the hell are we going to heat our homes if there's no oil and gas coming through? Well, particularly gas. So <clears throat> I think it's quite misguided, some of this ESG stuff. But the corporate governance stuff, where they're now voting against AGM um, resolutions, is fantastic. I've waited 20, 25 years for that to happen so there are aspects of ESG that I think are very very good but um, you know you do have to think about sectors which are socially destructive like casinos and think to yourself well that could be at risk I think and it could be a drag on the shares fund managers might want to just exit those positions because of their ESG rules and the bank financing may not automatically be forthcoming so that's a point on that. Now, Fulham Shaw put out a profit warning. This has been a real stalwart of the restaurant sector up until now. Uh, <clears throat> but unfortunately, it started to be affected, particularly by the rail strikes. Now, this is an imp- interesting point for wider read across. You know, these rail strikes are causing increasing problems for 
uh, bars and restaurants in uh, which are concentrated in town and city centres, of course, because if fewer people come into work in the offices, but Fulham Shaw's got a particularly high exposure to London because that's where it was originally set up and expanded, and it it is starting to hurt. <coughs> so now the um, you know there was a I've said here there was a profit warning, and blurred by vague and rather long-winded commentary. I think this was interim results. Uh, yeah, and again, the the, the extent of, of the prof, profit downgrade was buried in a broker note. They've basically slashed profit before tax for the current financial year, which is March 2023, down to close to zero. So I don't like the way this has been handled either. And, you know, I think I think Fulham Shaw is safe. It, I, it, I don't see it going bust because it's got negligible net debt and... The, there's a large depreciation charge, so in extremis, it could just stop opening new sites or get the landlords to finance the capex through reverse premiums, um, and it could just throw off cash from the existing sites, even in a in, in a downturn. So I don't think you have to worry about Fulham Shore going bust, which is not the case so much for Hostmore M O R E, which I'm afraid I got that one completely wrong, and uh, I think we were sold a pup with Hostmore, and it's got far too much bank debt. So I think uh, Hostmore is probably, at the moment, uh, best avoided. But Fulham Shaw, for long-term shareholders, I think you'll do fine. Um, Short-term, I still think it's overvalued. Hollywood Bowl, B-O-W-L, cracking numbers on Friday. Absolutely superb for financial year 9, 2022, which are even better than guided, thanks to some booking some exceptional profits from a VAT um, uh, successful VAT appeal. I went through the numbers in a fair bit of detail. Ah, oh, it's just a lovely business throwing off cash. The key question is: Tempin Bowling is going through something of a boom at the moment. Is that sustainable? We, that's your call. I don't know. So, uh, um, and it's a very high margin at the profit before tax level. Highly cash generative. It's paying generous dividends and it's also self-funding new site openings it's expanding in canada so everything looks fantastic so i you know i could only give it a thumbs up uh, hollywood bowl but you had, do have to consider what would happen if it put out an update like fulham shore which had previously been trading very well and then said oh you know it's we're starting to see the effect of the consumer downturn bang you get 20 30 percent off the share price so that is an obvious risk with with hollywood bowl the 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 boom times may not last what else oh a couple of funnies dev clever holdings absolute crock that's delisting um and sutton harbour very strange special situation it's got big property assets but big debt and it sounds like the bank are getting impatient over the 27 million net debt very high delisting risk was one shareholder owned 73 percent so i wouldn't get involved in sutton harbour Okay, lots and lots and lots of share ideas for you to look at there. Uh, nothing really that massively stands out, I have to say. So, But we just love chucking lots and lots of ideas at you, and then you can go off and do the more detailed research. Remember, we're only doing one to two hour reviews on each company, so we can't um, cover everything. And there will be things we miss, so it's essential everyone does your own work uh, to decide whether you want to buy or sell it. You know, We're not recommending things because we haven't done enough research. It's not just a disclaimer it's you know it's real we we, our whole ethos is that readers go away and do detailed work we just fling loads and loads of ideas at you and you you can pick out the ones that float your boat and everyone's got their own strategy so different things appeal to different people and of course we get lots of things wrong we have the usual thing that comes up every now and again oh you got boohoo wrong yes i know the whole sector's crashed 
Um, and I apologise again for getting Boohoo wrong. I was over overconfident on that one. Um, but, you know, the facts and figures completely changed. An unbroken, amazing track record of growth and profitability growth um, suddenly crashed. So I didn't see that coming, I'm afraid. So, of course, we get things wrong. All investors get things wrong. You know, um, we're not somehow gurus that can that can... Uh, select only shares that do brilliantly well, particularly in a small caps bear market. That's one of the worst I've ever seen in the last year. Pretty much everything in the small caps world has gone down. There's only a handful of shares that have really done well. So everybody's going to have had a lot of losers in the last year. And we're no different to anyone else. And we don't pretend to be uh, you know, able to always pick winners. Some of them will work, some of them won't. That's investing. That's the way it works. So... Anyway, we're not gurus, so I do think we need to emphasise that because we've got one rather snide comment this week from a reader. Uh, you know, look, if you, put your, if, you put, if you put yourself out there every day with sometimes strident views on shares, people are going to take pot shots at you. That's part of the job. It's not very nice, though, being on the receiving end of it, but, you know, there we go. So, right, the UK economy shrank by 0.3% in July to October, so it looks like we are... Uh, probably going to be in a formal recession as we expect which is two quarters of negative growth isn't it uh thursday interest rate decisions were taken the fed raised by half a percent to 4.5 percent i think they're raising too fast uh personally and i think which is what the fed always does it always gets the timing wrong and overdoes it and then has to reverse course so i think they've gone from super loose to probably too tight now so but there we go uh, now, the Bank of England raised uh, half a percent, I think, to three and a half percent. So we're now one percent below the Fed, which is quite interesting, isn't it? It's the ninth raise in the UK since December. Probably sensible, I think. Um, that, to me, feels a more sensible rate of increase. And the, the, the gilt yields are behaving themselves now. They're down to more sensible levels. And apparently the market is forecasting peak interest rates in the UK of 4.5% by August 2023. Uh, inflation in the UK has dropped very slightly to 10.7%. It's looking increasingly like we've probably put in a peak for inflation. Uh, it could come down quite rapidly, actually, given way, uh, the way the dollars um, weaken very significantly against the pound recently, which, of course, makes imports cheaper. So once those hedges uh, expire, you know, we could be seeing um, a more benign inflation picture than than we thought in 2023 which is is quite bullish isn't it it might then enable them to actually lower interest rates again i don't think we should assume that interest rates are now permanently high i think it wouldn't surprise me at all if they come back down to one or two percent next year once we're in a recession which would be very good for equities of course and and property and various other and bonds so who knows look none of us know do we what else have we got um Oh, inflation in the US is, is quite a bit lower than us and is slowing, so that's good. Uh, cold weather is causing chaos with energy prices. Hedging on forex, I've put here, could now be a hindrance, of course, uh, if companies hedged uh, anywhere near the recent lows for, for, dollar, um, for sterling dollar. Oh, disappearing tags in the Stockopedia reports. Oh, God, this is a, unfortunately a, a glitch in the software. So uh, the tags are put in automatically, which is basically the company tickers, which trigger the shares appearing when you search for them. Well, anyway, last a snazzy time, a big shout out to him. He's 
uh, monitoring that seemingly every day and flags it up to me with a comment when the when the uh, when the tags disappear. So thank you very much, Snazzy Time, and I think a couple of other readers have helped in this regard as well. It's really useful, actually. So thank you. Last night I went through all of the reports from first of July to now, and there were lots of missing tags. So I put them all in. So certainly for the last six months we've now got up to date tags on the articles. And then uh, the other macro point, I think, is all these strikes that are happening now really are starting to affect businesses. The rail strikes, it was mentioned by Fulham Shaw, is is hurting them. They're losing trade because of it in the town centres. Uh, Moonpig flagged up that the Royal Mail strikes are um, harming their business as well. Now, I think for the postal workers in particularly, I get why people want to go on strike. I don't want to get political here. I get why people want to go on strike, because they want to maintain their standard of living. But the trouble is, it, it's the it's another nail in the coffin for the business model, because all I'm doing now is ordering things for Amazon, because I get it next day delivery without any interruption at all. So I think the, the striking male rail workers need to be very careful that they don't do themselves out of jobs, which is, of course, what happened in the 1970s and 80s in numerous sectors where, you know, the workers uh, refused to re- realise that they had to have moderate pay demands and, yes, an enforced real-terms pay cut. Um, but that ensures the survival of the business. So I wouldn't invest in shares in Moonpig or Royal Mail at all. I think they're both uh, in quite a bit of trouble. So these strikes are having a a macro impact. Okay, I've run out of time. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for all the fantastic comments uh, on Stockopedia. I think it really is by far the best quality discussion board about shares that I've ever seen. And it's all about the community as well as the writers. So thanks again to everyone. Righto, um, will this be the last one before Christmas? Quite possibly. No, I'll do something next weekend anyway. All right, then. Uh, So I'll wish you uh, Merry Christmas next week. Bye for now, or rather, bye!